0: We will uh, provide you with hopefully some uh, good entertainment in the next three hours. We shall start uh, with Greg Murphy uh, because it's Tuesday morning and slightly earlier time we uh, need to talk to Murph. Um, perhaps about the future for Liam Lawson now. we would made of that and uh, other things, uh, motor racing. We are about 12 days away from Bathurst as well. Let's not forget that. Uh, just uh, after uh, 9.30, love to get some uh, talk back from you. Uh, particularly uh, carrying on uh, the subject that uh, the fellas had this morning about the broken nature of Australian rugby. Is there a comparison there? Uh, What about the broken nature of netball? And there was a text in saying, why don't you guys talk about netball? Uh, Well, we're going to just after 10 o'clock this morning, and we're going to one of the best, Lisa Alexander, coached the Diamonds for 10 years, very, very successfully, highly respected, most ever, winning coach for uh, Australia in netball. Uh, What's she made of uh, the Silver Ferns over the last uh, four or five or six performances? Does she see a trend there? Maybe Lisa can uh, sort things out for us. Daniel McCarty will be stepping into this chair uh, for the next, um, well, I don't know, quite a few uh, weeks anyway. Um, So he'll uh, be handling this show. So we'll uh, we'll give him a slight introduction to that in the bulletin uh, around about 20 to 11 this morning. Uh, Jimmy Neesham after 11 o'clock. Uh, we'll have a sports desk with Polaris uh, Louis Herman Watt back on deck today Robbie's in the chair up in Auckland uh, and we'll also have (coughs) Stump Smithy around about uh, 11.30 this morning, Ag Insights with Araha around about uh, quarter to twelve this morning so uh, that is our show, pretty busy one, looking forward to it
1: Sport is our religion and here is
0: Smithy's Sermon Stan Sports cover rugby in Australia, and they do a damn good job. Seldom watch pre-match build-ups, halftime analysis, and post-match shows. I've been warned off them, actually. But I watched their coverage of the Wallaby demise yesterday. It was refreshing, honest, thorough, and diverse. Without being scared to shoot a few bullets. There's a lesson there. And why don't who's uh, why don't you uh, have to worry about who's to protect or panda when you've got a job to do, or you've just been buffed out of the World Cup? At the earliest stage in your history, a history which included winning it twice, I might remind you. Well, I'm 99% sure Italy won't stop us advancing this weekend. Although Kieran Crowley will have them primed and they've had a nice little spell in the paddock to freshen up, our quality at the top end should see us through to a tasty rendezvous with the Irish. Then what? Who knows? And then what too about the future? All the pundits on Stand Sport agree on one thing. The game over there is broken badly at the seams. No structure, no base at school and club level. Numbers dwindling on the park and off it, super rugby a poor remedy. What money there is going in at the wrong end, the top. Sound familiar? Alarmingly so. Australia's demise, Wallabies rugby embarrassment, is a pointed reminder of where the game can go if neglected at where it starts. Eddie Jones took a misguided, single-minded punt on youth at the highest echelon of the game and failed miserably. He had the wrong hooper trying to bail him out against Wales and uh, who, who takes a punt anyway on a raw pivot on his lonesome to guide you through a World Cup? Carter Gordon certainly doesn't wear a cape. Australian rugby board trumpeted when sacking Dave Rennie that in Jones they finally had their man. Sounds familiar? Razor is our man, it seems, to ride into town on his trusty steed and take us forward. That's been trumpeted as well, but to focus it all on him and the top could well be a major failing. The warning shot may have been fired over our bow at Australia's expense. Well, he might be back on the, the Red Bull waiting list, but Liam Lawson has once again shown he is worth the wait for Kiwi Sport fans after a classy performance at the Japanese Grand Prix over the weekend. Beating his much more experienced teammate, Tanyuki Tsunoda, uh, fair and square, there are still plenty uh, who can't quite grasp why he's been made to wait, but reports suggest he has been assured 2025 will be the year he gets a full-time drive. Back down under uh, the countdown to Bathurst is well and truly uh, on, and a couple of our star drivers clashed off the track in Manawatu. Uh, Greg Murphy is with us each Tuesday to debrief the motorsport merry-go-round. Murph, good morning to
2: you. G'day, Smithy. Good morning
0: yeah uh, liam Lawson let's start with liam because um he's top of the pops in terms of the headlines as well at the moment mm. uh, disappointing mm. i would imagine uh, four drives well three or four drives in he's proved his worth obviously, but he's going to have to wait is is that is i mean is that his thing he's he's basically agreed to just sit and wait or is he still open slather
2: uh well i I don't really think he's got any options at the moment um you know I would ha- I would guess that um, he and his um, close knit team that uh, advise and support and, and are in communications with the powers that be at Red Bull, you know, might know something more. Um, you would hope they do with a bit of luck, um, so that they've got, you know, um, the ability to to you know know where he's heading and plan his future and and be you know I think um, happy that there is something coming. Um, albeit it's not, um, you know, at the early stages of next year. I don't know. I just can't help but think, based on on the performance of um, Sergio Perez again on the weekend, that there's sort of murmurings or whatever, or you know, discussions being had within the Red Bull management about about the the future um, of uh, the Mexican driver and 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 where that might go and how that might affect the the four seats that they control in formula one um you know it was it was a, a pretty pretty terrible performance by the guy that uh, is number two to max verstappen and I, I i can't imagine that red bull are going to want to allow that kind of performance um to continue um to you know put a question mark around around that that, that organization uh, for too much longer so you know where does liam you know, sort of fit into that whole scheme of things is is for us to um, to ponder and also mm. you know look forward to, to you know hearing more about it. But you know, as we've discussed over the last few weeks, he's he's throwing a spanner amongst the works there. Pardon the pun. Um, you know, with within the, the organisation because he's 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 proven his worth there and um, as a as a future potential champion um, for the group. So, you know, so it's, it's uh, these commercial situations and but some p- a whole lot of other um, factors that uh, they they are obviously taking into account uh, to to determine you know where they're going.
0: How'd you rate that performance at the weekend and the uh, the match race really with Sonoda? Yeah, it was a match
2: race and it started it, and it went all race long. From the moment the lights went green um, at the start of that Grand Prix and how Liam battled his teammate to stay ahead of him i mean it was it was on it was like they were fighting first place so the determination that liam showed in that fight at the beginning of that race against the guy that just re-signed i mean and and obviously Sonoda had the pressure on him to out, try and outshine liam um you know to justify uh, his signing uh, uh ongoing so that was that was a serious sort of um Uh, moment in the race and it set Liam up I mean he was undercut uh, during the race by Sonoda which came as a little bit of a surprise to start with for me Um, and then uh, the reverse happened at the second pit stop where um, Liam undercut uh, Sonoda by a couple of laps and put him back in front Um, unfortunately the Alpha both the Alpha Tauris weren't weren't that pacey in the race. Um, they had a, it seemed, a, a, quite a high tire dig, and, and their their overall race pace was was a bit of a struggle. I mean, they went down, down a lap on Max Verstappen right towards the end of the race. Might have been the last lap, was it? Second to last lap, mm. I think it was that they went down a lap. So that sort of proved that um, that car uh, was struggling a little bit around uh, Suzuka on the weekend. But um, no matter, the, the both of them had their first. Absolute, uh, you know, battle um, since Liam grabbed the seat back at um, um, back in, in uh, what was it, Zambort? So uh, that, that said a lot, and that, that was a proper test for Liam. And I, I guarantee you that was um, on his mind massively uh, to be able to again go head to head with with um, with Sonoda, who is a good friend of his. They they used to live together. Um, in England for mm. for a while as well, so they know each other very well. So that was that was that was a pretty important moment, and um, I'm sure the team and the Red Bull team will be analysing that uh, very closely as well. So it was another step for Liam for sure, and and uh, gave him the opportunity to to again uh, prove his worth and and, and his um, his space. So you know there's there's a lot to unravel. It's, it was a disappointing announcement, probably one that we expected. Um, I suppose, um, but there's there's uh, there's a lot that's going to I think uh, take place from here on all the way through to a point in next year where where I just struggle to see that there won't be some more changes and some movements around the around the paddock um, that will involve him.
0: Isn't it, isn't it a great indication though, Murph, of when you've got a horse in the race, people start to show a lot more interest. I mean, we haven't oh, talked this much Formula One <laughs> or had that much that much business on our text line yeah. um about Formula mm. One, I don't think, since this yeah. radio station started. And and yeah. obviously this is gonna translate next year as well into a thing called NASCAR, isn't it?
2: Exactly right. Um uh, and it's yeah, it's awesome. Um yeah, the 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 value of the uh, of the TV rights all of a sudden in this country have, um, have uh, given Formula One a reason to probably uh, renegotiate. So, um, and I think um, the same as for NASCAR, you know, we're going to have a lot of interest in what's going on over the year next year. And, and uh, the irony of that is is that um, we don't show that show NASCAR um, on television live at the moment. For, um, so it's a, it's a bit of a struggle to watch it. But um, there might be a bit of a hustle. Uh, to get something lined up for 2024, and, and there is going to be a lot of interest. And it is—it's having a horse in the race. It, it just—it gives you a you know attachment. You know the fact that you know majority of people uh, haven't met um, Liam Lawson. Uh, it doesn't matter. He's got—he's got, he's carrying a Kiwi flag on his race car and in the, the top echelon of the sport in the world. And and um, we are we yeah—we've got an in this, this invested interest in it. And it, and it's like um Young um, uh, Oscar Piastri, uh, the Aussie. I mean, the the, the following of, of Oscar in Australia. I mean, there's always been that following in Australia for a while now with Daniel, clearly who's incredibly popular. But um, seeing Oscar up the front of the field there and doing what he's doing, qualifying on the front front row, um, you know, is is phenomenal. And and uh, yeah, the Australian uh, sort of interest is is obviously picked up big time as well. So yeah, it doesn't doesn't take much to to get us to watch. I mean, I'm watching more Formula One live. Um, at the moment than I ever have, obviously, or than I have for a very long time yeah. because of because of it, rather than just uh, recording and fast-forwarding through. So, you know, you want to see it uh, as it's happening rather than um, delayed.
0: Merv, since the last time we spoke to you, the dates, the official dates for Taupo have been announced. Yeah. Do you like that window? Uh, and how yep. big do you think this could become with the commitment over a number of years?
2: Yeah, uh, a great window. Um, April's worked previously when we've had uh Pukukai. Um, on that date, um, it's uh, it's good timing. Um, I think it, the championship's just underway and and um, uh, for us here in New Zealand, you know we're still we're still sort of at that right end of the the seasons. and um, you know, I think that's it's great to have that It either had to be in April or it had to be um, in November. Um, towards the end so either way for me I'm not really fussed about it but it's um, it's certainly a good time to be be focusing on having supercars in New Zealand so so that's great and I think um, certainly early uh, in the early phases of it and I, I don't see what will change but the you know, supercars will will put on a, a great show in topor Um the facility will be will, will look incredible um, you know with what they're planning around uh, giving uh, the punters and the the, the, the general admission um, some great spots to, to be able to watch from um, so it's, it will look spectacular and I just think uh, you know the the location there in topo uh, which you know does get obviously very busy through the summer and it has a lot of big events there they know how to handle events in, in there in Topor. so I think uh, you know how close the circuit is to the town uh, it's just going kind to of, you know, come alive. There's going to be you know, tens of thousands of people mm. turning up there to to enjoy it, and and I um, I, I just can't wait for the atmosphere because I think it will be um, very different to Pukekohe. We know Pukekohe was built on the on the history of the circuit and and what it meant and it had been there for so long. You know, the atmosphere at the track was phenomenal, um, but you know uh, the majority of people did leave leave the venue and then leave the area. Um, and, and spread, spread out you know, back into Auckland and all over the place, whereas a, a lot of people will end up back in town in Taupo you know, it, in the afternoons, evenings, and nights after, after the racing's finished. And um, I think that uh, is just going to create a whole new atmosphere that we haven't experienced, uh, maybe a little bit more like uh, Hamilton was when we raced at Hamilton for those few years. But in some cases, I think it'll it'll work a lot better than than, than what uh, we had there as well. So, no, it's exciting times, and I think the the local industry around Tapewood um, will be very excited because they're going to get a massive hit through that period.
0: Nice little battle uh, over the weekend and the Daybreaker Rally in Manawatu with yeah. Hayden Padden and SVG going at it.
2: Yeah, Shane back in his happy place. Um, I read, imagine that he was... Uh, you know, again, big smile and and um, doing something that uh, he was able to, you know, um, put his amazing skill set to and and really enjoy. Uh, just such a totally different discipline, clearly, um, and uh, he would have been able to sort of uh, refocus and put everything else out of his out of his head and and just enjoy a uh, you know a, a rally which he which he he just gets so much out of. So, um, you know, mega to see him. Um, you know, behind Hayden, uh, doing what he doing what he does best, and that is competing, and maybe putting a little bit of pressure on on Hayden. But for, for them both to go one, two, in every every stage throughout the daybreaker uh, was um, was pretty awesome to 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 watch. Uh, Rana Horan, I've got to give mention to him. You know, um, finishing third there and doing doing a wonderful wonderful job as well. Um, you know, spectacular. So yeah, yeah, great weekend for uh, for those two. And and um, you know, I think having Hayden doing these events you know, considering what he's been doing overseas, winning the European Rally Championship and then coming back in New Zealand. It's a you've got I think people have got to understand what a commitment and the amount of travel and work and effort that he is putting in to to maintain um you know his brand and his in his space here in New Zealand as well as trying to compete in Europe. I mean that's that's just not an easy task. So um he was at uh, Ashley Forest the week before doing amazing things there with you know with a great crowd watching on and then having the daybreaker back and uh, him there competing, again, just, just just lifts the event in a big way. Um, so um, And then SVG, obviously, being there as well, you know, gave people um, a bit of a thrill of, um, uh, to get out there and watch some of those stages. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's important for rallying in New Zealand, which is still very popular considering the, the entry list that they had, but having a couple of superstars like that uh, turn up is um, just a little bit of icing on the cake.
0: And Murph, just finally, we can now actually say it, Bathurst is next week. Um, any latest, yeah. um, any late news or uh, a- anything else that, that um, may be cropping up in the, in the build-up to it that you're looking out for?
2: Uh, not so much at the moment, I, I don't think. Um, uh, I think uh, there's so much work going on behind the scenes, you know, since since Sandown. Um, you know, there is, there's a few teams that after Sandown will be, you know, having to dig even deeper and, and I don't know, find find uh, something that's going to give them, um, you know, what they need to be competitive. I think, um, unfortunately, WAU was probably a bit of a standout. It, it Sandown down the other week, you know, a, a very disappointing result for, for Chas Mostert and Lee Holdsworth and, and Nick Perkett and Fabian Coulthard and those two cars. They just, they seem to just miss the setup window and, and that was compounded when they got into the race. So there was, um, you know, a fair bit for them to, to delve into and try and resurrect for for the great race. So these and and these other teams like that who will be doing a bit of head scratching and and trying to make sure that uh, they turn up there with a in, a in a better better situation because um you know it is the is the great race. So there's there's just a huge amount of effort and work going in to get ready for for the one next week. And it, and it you know the teams will be there from sort of Monday onwards. Um, I'm heading over on Tuesday and. And the atmosphere this year will be will be electric. I'm I'm sure. Um, you know, there's been again great great response, amazing response from fans um, around uh, being there uh, for this year. And the Gen Three is is something that that a lot of people want to be there to experience for the first time and and see how they go. So, um, you know, there's a lot of unknowns, which actually which makes it really really exciting. Obviously, we do have a couple of teams that are showing great speed and and uh, probably you know putting themselves at the top of the the favourites list, but mark my words, there'll be cars that turn up there um, next week and get on the track, and uh, and will be competitive and maybe a little bit unexpected. So um, yeah, should be a good one.
0: it's uh, always great to catch up on these Tuesday morning uh, little meetings. I, I'm a, I really look forward to it. So uh, all the best, have a great week, and travel well.
2: Thanks, Smithy. Good on you, mate.
0: Cheers. Uh, Nine twenty-two here on SENZ. 9.27 and uh, after 9.30, love some talk back from you on eight hundred one five zero eight eleven, 150 811 and a uh, number of subjects to talk about. Are you genuinely fearful uh, about the standard of Southern Hemisphere rugby and how uh, would you improve it? Is that? Uh, are the Silver Ferns getting anywhere near the criticism that they deserve and need? You might like to talk about that. Uh, Louis, um, they're sort of flying under the radar a wee bit at the moment, um, but they did make the big call how disappointed they were uh, that England would only be sending a effectively a B team, a development team down, and they whipped them. Good morning,
3: Smithy. It's a really interesting one around the Silver Ferns. I think that was probably one of the, the biggest shockers from the weekend, to be honest. This is such an imp- I mean, it's actually quite a bizarre situation if you kind of put all the pieces together and think about it. Coming off a historically bad World Cup, then having a crack at... The English, I mean, it's, there's an element of being out of touch here because they had a crack at the English about sending a a group of players down here to play in this tiny Jameson Trophy, and they clearly didn't hadn't done their homework or clearly hadn't realised how far ahead the English domestic competition is than ours because these players beat us fair and square, and now all of a sudden this, this test tomorrow in Wellington is just it's so important, and that's why that's why I've gone we've gone for Lisa Alexander today because she's outside the network. She's independent. She's in Australia. She she coached against Dame Nolene Total a lot at the end of her tenure. Part, partly that was probably where Lisa got off, you know, they didn't extend her contract and the Silver Ferns had pulled away at that point in time before being, you know, in the Janine Southby era, era had been dominating them. And I'll be really curious to see what she says because this is, is this a fundamental issue here with Netball New Zealand, the sport, that there's a bit of apathy towards these performances and as Yvonne Willering told us a while ago, Smithy, they're not hardened enough. The players, the competition for whatever reason, isn't getting them hard enough. She thinks it goes too long and there's not enough do or die games. Uh, I was reading Mark Foster saying the same thing. They're just not hard enough. But ultimately, is that a messaging thing from a coach? Isn't it an international coach's job to be able to get a, a group of players rock hard fit, ready to take on the test arena? And I just think this is a fascinating one. And i grew up and you certainly will remember, remember a time when netball was such a, so intrinsically important to our DNA, but it's just in a very interesting place and I think it's a proper conversation that needs to be had. Okay, 0800, thanks for that. 800 uh, 150
0: You might also uh, be like looking to, uh, no Warriors team to be named this week, uh, but you might want to look at uh, the All Black side uh, that is coming up against Italy too. What kind of team should Ian Foster and co play against Italy? Is there any room for experimentation there? Uh, really? Uh, I, I mean, it, it, do we have to... All guns blazing against Italy, is there any room to be complacent? I mean, after what we saw happen to the Wallabies, uh, should we not just be firing up on everything? I mean, it's, it, the, the All Blacks team to play Italy, uh, barring injury, should be as good as or the same side that plays in the quarter final. It's if they beat Italy. If they muck around, they might not. Uh, so we'd love to hear from you. 0800 150 811, um, and uh, your thoughts, your possibilities, maybe your predictions for the Black Caps as they head off uh, today and tomorrow. Uh, what chance? What chance are you giving them compared to the last two World Cups? It is 9:31 here on SCNZ. Here's Aroha with the news. Good chance to be the voice here on SENZ and uh, Joey's taken that opportunity to be first up this morning. Joey, good morning to you.
4: Yeah, go and look um, two things. Firstly with the rugby, Eddie Jones is trying to do the right thing, but to take the pain you've got to take take the game, you've got to take the pain. And and they need to the Australians need to play in our NPC competition and it works hand in hand with the netballers. When, the, when we had the netballers playing in the Australian competition and it was New Zealand and Australia competition, we were going really well. As soon as we've gone down to play in our competition and they stopped us playing over there, we've, we've gone downhill. And the same is with the, the Aussie rugby side. They play, they play Super 15 rugby and then they go back to their club rugby where we go into the NPC and everything. And not, I know not all of our players play in that, but the NPC has been proven in And it's proven with rugby league. It's proven with basketball it's proven with football when we play with the Aussies in the combined competition it only betters it, it's better rugby league for, for the Warriors and for New Zealand and, and it's better it, it's better uh, football because we've got the the um, wellington Phoenix in an Australasian competition and it, it's it's better just with everything. It. and it's a no-brainer they have to come and I can't see why they haven't even done this they haven't gone to try to get into the New Zealand NPC, And that's the same with the netball. We need to start up a Trans-Tasman netball competition again. Because you have a look at the sides like, like uh, England and, and their players that are playing in Australia and Jamaica, where have they come? Second and third in the world. And Australia won it. So it's a no-brainer. That's the netball I'm talking about. What do you think? I agree.
0: Yes, yes. Just on that
4: before I go, Smriti, so really, I hope you have a really good trip when you go away. And... Um, we're gonna miss your Delta tones on this radio
5: station,
4: <laughs> and I say that, and people might say I'm I'm pissing in your pocket. I might be, but I tell you what, I enjoy your program and the station, and we will miss you for when, when you go. Look after yourself and have a good time over there.
0: Joey, thank you very much for those uh, good wishes. Here, actually, um, I, I'll miss uh, talking to you guys as well. Um, Joey, I, I think you've you've nailed a, two or three really good huh. points there. Uh, we're we're in trouble if we think that we can just go it alone down here. Uh, And and there is speculation, and uh, I think it was rejected this time around, but they'll keep trying. South Africa want to join the Six Nations. Uh, And when they join the Six Nations, uh, who are we going to play? Who are we going to play apart from a northern tour? Uh, I mean, we have to go back to things that used to serve us well. Okay, we're in a professional era. But that just means we should have more money available to do those things uh, a bit better. So we go back to those tours, those full-length tours, uh, when you're playing against international sides, when they do happen to come here, and maximise the opportunity of them being here, not just one test match or two test matches. Maximise the opportunity of exposing your players to a higher level of rugby to see where they've got to get to. And and I think that makes sense. I think they're, they're going to have to look very seriously at that because of Australia um, and us are uh, the rugby championship along with Argentina, we're just going to suffer the same fate and we're not playing against tough enough opposition often enough. The other thing that uh, will come into play and it will be interesting because he, he just just hinted at it a wee bit, uh, Razor Robertson, um, is the availability of people playing rugby overseas to us as, uh, in, in the All Black capacity to bringing them back for games, uh, opening the door for them to come back. Um, you know, and this is going to be highlighted with a mass exodus at the end of this World Cup, which uh, could be in uh, the space of three or four weeks' time, uh, when we're the last time we see a number of those uh, terrific All Blacks, uh, you know, they're gone. So uh, how are we going to replace them? I mean, are you comfortable within that 33? We've got a world-class All Black 15 to replace. The four or five players that we're going to lose? I'm not sure I am. No. Um, it, it's good points, Joey.
4: Yeah, cheers, buddy. No worries. Yeah, no, you did right. I'm not I'm not happy with it either. And and rugby's our number one sport. And it always has been... And Look, I love my league. Don't get me wrong. But it always has been, and I hope it always will be, because that's in our DNA. And it's great that... The, the, fantastic the Warriors are going well on that. It is. It's, 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 it just gets everything going. But what are they doing? They're playing in an Australasian competition. That's what we need to do. Otherwise, if we just keep playing Australia and, and Argentina, it'll be boring. We'll be winning. Mm. We'll be winning the cups. We'll be winning the cup. Australia haven't won the Bledisloe Cups cup in twenty odd years. Now that mm. hurts them. but but it's no good to us. It, we're better to have that battle where we have they win it and we win it for five years and then they win it for two years. We won it for two years. That's that's, that's the DNA. That's fantastic. And it, and it brings in the, the strong rugby, you know. You'll get that strong rugby back. And the same with the netball. You start up a fantastic competition again, New Zealand will get better. I'm telling you. Anyway, have a great day, mate.
0: Cheers, Joey. I really progress. appreciate you. <laughs> Go the Broncos. Up the Broncos. Yeah, that's this week. Uh, wouldn't that be good to see Penrith uh, knocked over and a side outside uh, Sydney, and i class of Penrith as being quite a long way outside Sydney anyway, but a side outside Sydney with all the power and all the clubs and all, that, that I've got in the Sydney area. Uh, three of the last four uh, were from basically uh, outside of there, and, of course, uh, the fourth one was in Penrith. So, mm, interesting, uh, Louis. I, I thought we might have been a bit busier on the phone lines this morning. However, uh, people were texting in and... Uh, Chris says this morning Smithy, uh, what are your predictions for top four and winner for the Cricket World Cup? Uh, have a safe trip. Uh, can't wait to hear your commentary at the World Cup. Thank you yeah Well uh, that for me begins on Friday in a place called Hyderabad where New Zealand are playing uh, one of uh, two warm-up games uh, against Pakistan actually and that's a good that's a nice little barometer because Pakistan actually haven't been playing that well of late. They were disappointing in the Asia Cup. India are absolutely dominating that. So, yeah, my predictions anyway, um, I think England will get through. I think India will get through. I think Australia, because of who they are, will get through, and uh, I think they're pretty strong. They're not playing well at the moment, uh, but uh, they'll be better for that. Uh, and then it's one. It's one. It's, a, it's a, an interesting... It's, not, it's no draw as such. There's no pulls, no side of the draw. Everyone has a fair opportunity uh, to, uh, to boost their case by playing everyone else, and unlike England... I don't expect, Louis, there to, to be too many weather problems at the start of the tournament, as there were in 2019, when we had um, a, a great uh, start to the tournament. We're, we've got a, an interesting draw, actually. Uh, we do play first up uh, England, we know that, on the October the 5th. And then we've got three games in a row that normally you'd say we'd be favourites for, we should win. Netherlands, Bangladesh, Afghanistan. But these are subcontinent conditions. So, yeah
3: Afghanistan you you thinking
0: I think i I think that uh, Afghanistan and Bangladesh in spinning friendly conditions are a, a decent old threat to us so um that is that's my forecast there I think we might have uh, Mikey through on the line just give us a thumbs up Robbie if we've uh, if we've got Mikey coming through are you there Mikey nope not coming through yet hopefully okay Mikey good morning to you Oh, good morning, Ian.
6: Hey, just listening to Joey, while I agree with Mm. everything he says, um, the problem is, is the Aussies won't want us in the competition. And on the flip side, and I'm talking about netball there, on the flip side, um, would the NZRU want the Aussies in our domestic competition? Now, as fans, we think this is the right thing to do, but when it comes to to organisations, they're a little bit myopic sometimes, and... uh, you know, it's hard enough to. We've got what one team in the um, NRL competition. We'd like two. Is that ever going to happen? Uh, it was hard enough to. Well, I think we're going to get one, a second one in the in the soccer. Um, but the, the, they 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 do look after their own first, and I would imagine when it comes to rugby, um, they would look after our own first as well. It comes down to well, money, well,
0: doesn't well, it? It does come down to money. It it comes down to money, and it also. Uh, it comes down to logistics, finding windows for all these particular things. Um, but I, I think it's—I I think you, Mike—it's more a priority than it used to be uh, because of trends. I, I think it—it's uh, something that it should be considered. I mean, I, I, they need to me. Just going back to to my youth, I loved the touring situations. I really did. You know, when when uh, you get get up close and personal in the provinces, et cetera, with touring sides i just thought that was a highlight of the rugby calendar, uh, and that's disappeared yep. i mean can you can you actually say can you actually say Mikey uh, how many highlights there are in a rugby year now?
6: Oh not enough, not enough and and as I said like I agree with Joey everything he's saying. I just look at the uh, the way the the sports are run, and I go, oh, I just can't see them pulling the trigger that's the only thing that i that i that I sort of look at um I mean the fans I think. On the most part, if i the station, have got it right, but unfortunately, mm. the organisations or some organisations, I should say, not all of them. Uh, I watched the Cam George interview last night. Again, just brilliant. Again, uh, on TVNZ, um, mm. you know, engaging with everybody, engaging with the fans, with the NZRU just do not. <laughs> so, mm. for them to even consider the Aussies coming into a domestic competition, I'm like, well, wow. I, I can't see it. I'd love to see it, can't see it.
0: No, me neither. You know, I I really don't. And I'm going to talk to uh, Lisa Alexander after uh, 10 o'clock. And Lisa, of course, is a highly successful uh, netball coach for Australia. She might tell us whether they're interested in us or not um, in terms of a a competition below international level. Uh, We'll find that out, Mikey. Thanks for your call. Have a terrific day. It's uh, 9.43. We'll take a quick break. Rightio, uh, let's get to uh, Cliff, who's uh, been very patient. Cliff, good morning to you. Yeah, good
5: morning, sweetie. Yeah, just talking about the uh, the rugby in Australia. Uh, Twenty years ago, they were very strong, and they had three teams. And then we, cons- New Zealand rugby, decided that that we would expand Super Rugby, and they got more teams. and And I think it's the worst thing that ever happened to Australian rugby because it splintered all their sides. You now Queensland used to have a very strong side, and so did New South Wales. But problem was, once they put those other two teams in, they started pulling players out of the, the, the Queensland and the Waratahs teams, and they become weaker and weaker. The competition around the country wasn't strong enough to have five sides, and then they dropped one, but it still wasn't really strong enough. You know, If you're going to run a competition, you've got to cut your cloth to what you can afford and what your player base is. And it just hasn't happened in Australia for them. You know, the, the, in in Australia, in Brisbane there, the Brisbane Lions are in the final of the NRL, and um, I mean, in the AFL, and then the Broncos are in the final of the NRL. But the Brisbane-Queensland uh, rugby team is a poor side. And it was used to be that they were as good as the other two teams. You know, they were both strong. But uh, I think it's worldwide. It's just the way sport is. You know, teams, we, we, there's not the money around. There's not enough, there's too much high performance at the top level, which sucks all the money away from the bottom. You know, there's less people playing the game, but there's more money going into the top, and it's and it's coming from fewer and fewer sources. So, you know, I think back at the New Zealand football team, they couldn't, the coach who we had for a few years was trying, he had no f- forward uh, competitions he was. He had nothing to play with. You know, there was guys there wanting to play for the All Whites, but there was no. There was never any games. They didn't play here for ages. They never played Australia. You know, the women's team seemed to be all over the world. They were played in Chile. They got beaten up three nil. There seems to be a lot of money in women's football at the moment, but very little in for the men here. And whether the men's game is subsidising the women's because they don't really get the the crowds. And I don't think the the sponsors come in behind the woman's game. I mean, I might be a bit old-fashioned, but at the end of the day, one side, one part of the competition is failing because the money's going into the other side. What's your opinion on that?
0: Oh, look, you know, you're you're 100% right. 100% right. Um, The the big thing um, that worries me um, in comparison to Australian rugby, to New Zealand rugby is... New Zealand rugby, it's our national game. Right, we don't have the uh, the other options that they have in Australia. The uh, AFL, etc. league is a lot less pro- high-profile in this country overall. Uh, take out the Warriors, uh, et cetera, and uh, the latest uh, wave that's going through at the moment. Um, but it, it, this is our national game we should be concerned about. Uh, rugby is about number four or five on the tier over there. We're... We're we're genuinely interested here, and we give it a lot of uh, he- airtime, etc., because uh, it's important to us. And the ramifications of Australian rugby uh, pour into uh, what we're able to achieve here. Um, but unfortunately, uh, Cliff, at the moment, you're dead right. You're dead right. Um, we we're, we're we might not be in a spot of bother. Hell, we might be preempting something here. We might be the world champions in a month. We might. Um, but- thanks very much for. Thanks very much for your call, mate. We've got to fly. We're committed to an ad break right now, actually. We'll be back shortly.
7: you got to know when to hold up, know when
8: Smithy's Multi.
7: Know when to walk away and know when
1: to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today.
0: Right, yo. Uh, actually, yesterday's one is uh, current for today as well. None of those matches have been played. The Eagles, uh, the Bengals, and the Black Caps. Although we had a text in from Josh this morning to say, get all over the Rams today to beat the Bengals because uh, they've got problems at quarterback. Um, so he's picking the Rams. So yesterday's still alive. Uh, today's the Padres to beat the Giants in Major League Baseball. Uh, the Silver Ferns to bounce back and beat England. And. Uh, Kazutkina to beat uh, Kostiukut in the uh, WTA event out of uh, Japan. So uh, that is the Padres into the Silver Ferns into Kazitkina to beat Kostiuk. And uh, that Maldi's out at $3.52. It's my parting gift uh, for you this this morning, actually. Um, After 10 o'clock, netball. It's been uh, pretty well talked about in the first hour. A lot of speculation. People were a bit worried about it. How worried should we be? Uh, Let's get some outside information on it, shall we? Let's go to Australia and talk to one of the very best who has ever, ever coached the game, Lisa Alexander. We'll do that shortly. Uh, She might have a reflection on netball on both sides of the Tasman, how healthy it is. Uh, That's coming up shortly. Well, after an embarrassing loss to what has been described as an English development side, the Silver Ferns and Dame Nolene Taurua have major issues to remedy before their next Tiny Jamison Test tomorrow. The loss in Christchurch on Sunday was both shocking and scary for New Zealand netball, who had been criticising the English for sending a squad not fit for purpose to play the Silver Ferns' best outfit. So after a historically poor World Cup and now a new low at home, netball in this country and our pinnacle team faces a stark reality to overcome. Lisa Alexander is a former Australian player and coach. She's actually the most capped Diamonds coach, leading them to 102 Uh, 102 times, with a winning percentage of over 80%. That is outstanding. Uh, She's been good enough to take our call this morning. Uh, Lisa, we're honoured to have you on our show uh, to talk a bit of netball because we're genuinely a wee bit worried about it.
9: Well, I love talking about netball, and I'm very endeared to my Kiwi brothers and sisters. So we want, want netball getting strong there again, of course.
0: Particularly embarrassing, uh, of course, uh, because our CEO, uh, for uh, for better words, uh, perhaps uh, she might have wanted to take them back. Now said, uh, "This is not a this is not good sending down a team of this nature." I mean, how is this going to be competitive? And they turn around and beat us, so uh, not a good sign. What did you make of that performance, Lisa?
9: Well, it didn't surprise me about the English um, squad. I know quite a few of the players because I actually had quite a lot to do with them. Um, at London Pulse when I was over there as performance director and and I knew um, the strength of those players and they were just waiting for their opportunity with the English team and of course the English team has a lot of you know players that have you know been around for quite a while played a lot of tests so it is much harder for them to get that rookie experience um, this presented an opportunity to them and they're the next step up so they were hungry Um, They're very well-skilled, well-drilled. They've had eight weeks, I think, of of preparation for this series. So, you know, I think really the Silver ferns probably took them a little bit lightly.
0: Well, they did come back at them in the last quarter. I think that's a fair reflection when they knew that um, they were in big trouble. But uh, maybe it's just a reflection of of where we're at. Now, we sent a side to the World Championships in Cape Town, which, for all intents and purposes, we thought was brilliantly prepared and up to the task. Uh, Australia were criticised, of course, because uh, they apparently were, had left it too long to play their state competition, their uh, their championship competition, and it didn't leave time for build up. How wrong were we all?
9: Well, it's it's a fine line in terms of preparation. That's for certain. I think what Australia had the advantage was the previous, you know, two years that. Initially, that squad had really had a lot of work together at different competitions. So when they did come together, part of the planning was that they weren't going to change much. They were criticised a little bit over here for not putting some players in that were more in form, but of course, you know they've had the experience at the international level that other players hadn't. So I think they chose wisely. Um, I was as surprised as anyone about New Zealand not getting in that top three at least, um, particularly with the preparation they'd had in the previous couple of years. So I think you know the loss of Grace Newicki certainly you know, stunted the Silver Fern's chances, although it was surprising really that they didn't get further um, into the medals.
0: So when you look at the way we're playing, uh, Lisa, uh, can you isolate uh, anything in particular, that you notice has changed since, you know, perhaps when you coached against uh, Nolan Taurua back in your time.
9: Um, I don't think so. I think everyone else has just improved a lot more um, at this at this sta- same stage, and that puts the question on whether you know New Zealand is doing the right thing in terms of having their competition without many imports or not allowing their players to play. Um, over the ditch in Australia maybe that's not the way forward and um, I don't think there's the same fear factor about the team that there was in the past so you know I think there's certainly some opportunities for Netball New Zealand to think about perhaps having more of a mix of, of opportunities for their athletes to be playing in the world's best competition
0: So, Lisa, are you suggesting perhaps this on an individual level or do you think from a team perspective there's opportunities for New Zealand to send franchises to Australia?
9: It could be that. Um, You know, I've certainly thought, and and I know the teams over here in Australia would love to have New Zealand back involved in in some sort of domestic competition. So I think more of that top-level pressured competition is what's needed. Um, And if you're playing kind of yourselves for three rounds, it it becomes, you know, you don't get quite the pressured situation that you would um, in a cutthroat competition. So I think having a mix of that would be probably the best outcome for Netball New Zealand.
0: Do you think at this stage, um, having just witnessed a world championship, that that the international netball model is working well?
9: Look, it's certainly improved. There's no doubt about that. African nations are coming, becoming better and better. Uh, the more resourcing that they get, the more opportunities, training, coaching that they get, they're going to just lift their uh, levels, which we're seeing. And they're also travelling around the world to play in different competitions as well. So I think that shows you that, you know, the global game is getting better. It's getting stronger. Certainly the English National uh, League is getting stronger. Um, I was very impressed when I was over there for my year with London Pulse. And they're doing a lot of work in the development area too. And that's happening at the English level. So I think that's another area that Netball New Zealand could explore a little bit more is what are they doing in their talent pathways? Are they really preparing those athletes for the domestic competition and for international competition?
0: Mark Foster, who you will know well, and uh, of course Yvonne Wellering, uh, back here at home, have been quite outspoken to the fact that we just don't have a hard enough edge about our competition on the domestic scene. Uh, how do you fix that? How do you, how, uh, uh, is getting overseas talent the only way to fix that?
9: No, it's not the only way, but I think I, I do agree with him there's probably too many rounds of competition playing each other. So having, as I said before, that mix of perhaps um, some level of competition against Australian teams, Whether you allow some of your top level silver ferns to go and compete in the world's best competition in Australia, um, you know, that could be the answer there um, to ensure that you do have those pressure field matches because you can't just have one or two, two teams dominating the whole time and the rest sort of, you know, floating down the end. You've got to have a really top level competition that's going to cause that pressure week in, week out.
0: Can netball uh, survive um, in those capacities domestically with the amount of money it's got at the moment? I mean, is money a big issue?
9: Money's always an issue in sport, and particularly for netball, um, because we're played primarily by women. Um, And so I think starting to have the competitions that we are encouraging men and boys to play netball as well, um, should strengthen the sport at grassroots level and right through to the very top level so you know the way that we're doing having the men's teams playing each other before constellation cup matches etc i think is a great thing for the sport and brings more money and sponsorship to the sport um, but I also think we need to we need to understand that other sports operate at losses as well um, mm. you know we don't always have to be absolutely spot on and we, we may need to expand to ensure and, and pay our athletes more to keep them in our sport rather than get them, you know, have them choosing other sports in preference to netball.
0: So uh, what, uh, I mean, we've got what the, uh, the Women's Rugby League competition, there's a little bit of women's rugby, of course, football's on a high as a result of a wonderful performance by the Matildas. Um, are they the competition areas you're thinking about? And, and you're, you're talking, what, at secondary school level, at school level there?
9: Oh, absolutely. It's becoming very much a concern for netball in Australia, um, the amount of competition that we have from other sports. And I assume it will be the same in New Zealand, where you know, those sports, particularly cricket, um, as you said, soccer, But we also have AFL uh, women's as well, which is very Mm. entrenched in, you know, particularly in my state of Victoria. So those athletes are getting drawn to the game uh, with, you know, higher salaries and, you know, better, um, definitely better circumstances for them. And the level of professionalism around the teams is just increasing. So, you know, women and girls particularly have got lots of choices around what they're doing. So we can't just take our athletes for granted and our numbers for granted we've got to also look at making sure we pay our players um, at the same level as, as those other athletes
0: right okay so when you were coaching you had a, a, a wonderful time 10 years at, at the top an uh, australian netball how hands-on were you uh, when it came to the domestic competitions as such were you were you able to communicate with prospective players? Were you able to talk to coaches, or did you have to sit back and wait until you'd selected your teams?
9: No, certainly part of uh, definitely my remit was to get out there into the states and territories uh, to be working in the pathway. I sat and actually was a selector at one of our national titles um, back, you know, I think it was in two eighteen or two seventeen. And I think it's really important that the national coach is fully involved in the pathway, and also promoting the sport um, in the grass, grassroots levels. That's, that was definitely part of my job um, to grow the sport from not just the point of view of high performance, but also as a brand in, in Australia, and, and to be, you know, be a voice for netball as well in, in the sporting landscape. So I think it is extremely important.
0: It's interesting uh, because of uh, what happened to uh, the Wallabies yesterday. Everyone all of a sudden climbs in and says, right, uh, it's not that the, these players were Eddie Jones, etc., that should be blamed wholeheartedly for this because um, Australian rugby's broken at the levels down below. Is there a danger then that with uh, netball and, and the fact that you uh, quite convincingly won the World Championships that people might be complacent about netball in Australia?
9: Well, well, you know, it's It's really interesting how much attention is paid to the Wallabies not performing well, whereas you have the Diamonds performing really, really well, winning the world title and hardly getting any attention at all. Um, it just goes to show how, you know, the, that we've still got a way to go in recognising particularly women's sport and the excellence of it. So I know it's not quite the same in New Zealand, I know there's a lot more attention pla- paid To the Silver Ferns which is why they're getting criticised now and that's the thing Mm. once you get up there you've got to take the criticism as well as as well as the plaudits Uh, definitely in Australia particularly rugby union is struggling because rugby league is just becoming so strong over here and I know how well you know your Warriors went um, getting to the preliminary final against Broncos so that sport is going from strength to strength in our country and that's taking away from those high performance, um, you know, younger juniors coming through the pathway. I think rugby union grassroots is going quite well, but I think there's still a bit of a disconnect between the grassroots and the top level and how how that's managed and how um, I guess it's looked after in terms of money and resources as well.
0: Lisa, when you look at the, the, uh, the kind of exposure the other sports get, particularly around about World Championship time or even, as you say, in, in your state of uh, Victoria, wall-to-wall coverage of, of AFL sport, male and female, um, do, you, uh, do you feel as if um, netball gets a, a raw deal television-wise as well?
9: Yeah, we do, definitely. Um, The coverage, you know, we don't have a brown low like we're having, we had last night here in in Melbourne with the AFL. Nowhere near as much coverage, wall to wall coverage. Not as many um, shows about uh, analysing netball, although definitely Fox has done a much better job um, the last couple of years with the super netball. So it's a matter of, um, you know, continuing to improve those steps. I think SEN Radio getting involved uh, over here in Victoria with um, the new team and then having it on the radio every week, uh, those matches, will add to um, netball getting its you know, rightful place in the sporting landscape over here. So it's a matter of step by, a step-by-step step approach. It's also a matter of continuing to have our corporates over here supporting the game and understanding how big it is and how many women and girls actually do play it over here in Australia.
0: Just getting back to our situation at the moment, uh, we may well turn this around and, and uh, win quite comfortably in the next couple of matches. But uh, looking a little bit deeper into it, have we the quality at the moment uh, with what you see, and have you got full co- uh, full faith in uh, Dame Nolene? Because uh, Dame Nolene has never been questioned in this country. Um, her, her, the way she goes about things, her record, et cetera, I mean, she's highly, highly rated, but, you know, um, all coaches have their, their span, their lifespan, and the game changes uh, in front of their very eyes. How do you see our netball uh, in that in those terms?
9: I definitely think you've still got the talent and the talent is there. I think it's just that first test, I think really England got the jump on New Zealand and perhaps weren't taken quite as seriously as they should have been, but now they'll be analysed within an inch, inch. And, um, you know, certainly I expect the Silver Ferns and Dame Nolene to come back very, very hard in this next test and win. Um, But, you know, the English Roses won't go away. They're a young team, as you've seen. They're very highly skilled. They're very hungry. It's a matter of getting that hunger back in the Silver Ferns, and I'm certain that Dame Nolene can do that.
0: Well, Lisa, it's been terrific to catch up with you. Uh, Thanks for your Your breakdown on on netball on both sides of the Tasman. Uh, uh, Nice to know that uh, uh, even though the World Championship uh, title is yours, you've still got the the same sort of issues that we face uh, with ours as well. Um, uh, Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
9: Thank you very much.
0: Cheers. Uh, Lisa Alexander there, folks, uh, out of Australia. Wonderful record. Ten years at the helm of the Diamonds with uh, an overview on uh, both sides of the Tasman. Actually, money a huge factor. Uh, money a huge factor and recognition it seems too Louis as well uh, the fact that you know you can be a world champion over there uh, in a team sport but you just simply don't get the recognition that perhaps uh, you're worthy and and uh, you're worthy of and and uh, I think Lisa pointing to it there basically uh, was a male female thing.
3: It's a whole ecosystem, really, isn't it? Because you can't have performance without investment and investment needs engagement and engagement needs performance so it's kind of like that circle of life isn't it smithy because if you think about it you know remember that story that came out a little bit earlier you you alluded to it there um the report that was commissioned in the i think it was the age or the city morning herald wrote that story it was up to four thousand people watching some super some games of super netball that, that's that's quite concerning and that's australia So then imagine here, and then so when you've got those sorts of figures, trying to find that broadcast deal and that revenue to be able to pump into your grassroots to make sure that that comes through, to have teams that are performing at the top level to compete for the eyeballs with your AFLWs, your your Matildas, and your football Ferns. It is a real ecosystem. I thought Lisa laid that out um, beautifully there. and I mean, we don't have the answers. I just want the Ferns to, to... Oh, maybe they did, just take them lightly. Maybe maybe we're hitting the overreaction button. But off the back of that World Cup, you would think that there'd be zero complacency. Where's the room for complacency? I would, I would think that's the last
0: thing you would ever do for Dame Noeline Tarua. On the evidence of how much she works you, how hard she trains you, uh, the pride she's put in, um, in terms of the, the wearing the uniform as such, I would think that would be the last thing she would allow is complacency. I, I just don't imagine that. Um, and, and sure, we came back big and strong. I mean, we we overcame quite a big third, uh, fourth quarter deficit to almost steal that game, but um, and you know save some blushes. But but the fact the fact of the matter is that you know I, I just I just under, don't understand why you have when you finish fourth here you could have the wherewithal to be complacent about playing anyone
3: well, anyone. What does what does that tell you about the the messaging then? I mean. And and Lisa said that she's got full faith in Dame Nolling to be able to get that hunger back into the Ferns players, but it, it's kind of almost like the horses bolted. That the as you point out, where was the complacency? How how how?
0: No, no, I no. I don't know how. I, I honestly don't know how. Um, when you've yeah, you know, we drew with South Africa. The writing was on the wall there. I, I think it was Uganda got within ten or twelve goals of us. I mean, you know, the, the writing was on the wall at that point. I don't think there was one convincing display in, in the World Championship, one that you could walk away and say, yes, that's uh, that's the Silver Ferns.
3: That's the brand of the Silver Ferns. Can I just ask you, Smithy? do you think that there's a case to be made that our netball teams, our domestic competition, need to be privatised? And so Super Rugby in Australia, too many teams. Five, way too many, and they need to, you know, they need to come under the umbrella, Um do we need to go the other way? Like, look at the sales MBL with private investment into these teams and SEM, what Hutchie's done into this Melbourne team. Do, do they need a revamp? Do they need a shot on the arm like that? I
0: would be amazed if they haven't looked at it. Absolutely amazed at it. If you, then, then you run the risk of this. You run the risk of uh, making a really exciting competition uh, of maybe four to five teams by uh, cutting down the number of teams we've got. Uh, but then you lessen the pathways as well. Mm. And then you then you you shut off the opportunity for people in the provinces, in particular. You know, p- p- Chase for instance, you took away um, netball out of Invercargill at that level. I mean, what would that do? That's a very proud netball province. What would that do to uh, young ladies, uh, young schoolgirls, etc. In terms of, the, I mean, they flock to that stadium. That's one of the highlights of their sporting calendar. If you took that away from them and said, well, you're not going to be part of this four- or five-team franchise, because we need to narrow it, we need to make it available, merchandisable, etc. cetera, uh,
3: but you're not part of it. What would that do? What, I mean, what would that do? It's, it's, great, it's a great point. It's probably not, yeah, when you put it like that, it, that doesn't seem like the solution. It's a tough one. I mean, sure, somebody smarter than us has got the ideas out there. Double eight, double three, eh? Yeah, double
0: eight, double three. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. It's 10.24 here on SNZ. Coming up to the news very shortly at 10.30, but we've uh, always got time to hear from uh, John from Auckland. Uh, love uh, love having a chat, John. Uh, Morena to you.
6: Oh, Morena, Cruz. Uh, hey, Smithy, I'll be quick. Um, it's not a coincidence that South Africa's doing well uh, because they've left the Super Rugby, but I guess it's logical that they stay in Europe because of the time zones and where they are. Mm-hmm. But what the problem with Super Rugby is, is like you said, there's too many Australian teams and also... The competition quality isn't there. Like, all five New Zealand teams, well, barring the Highlanders, weren't good this year, but it, the New Zealand teams were just at another level. And we can't have a competition where four or five teams are just too good for everyone else. But, yeah, they need to make changes, mate. Cheers.
0: I agree. I, 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 they will be. Uh, they do have to make changes, John. I, I totally agree with you, mate. And they have to make changes right throughout the whole spectrum. And don't forget also, um, you know, we've got um, Moana Pacifica in there as well, John Draining, our, our playing talent. Um, and, and I'm saying that's a good thing from their point of view. Um, and then you turn around and say, hey, hey, what about the Fijian drawer? Are they benefiting by that competition? It looks like it. It looks like it, although having said that, a lot of the players, a, a heap of the Fijian World Cup squad play their rugby in Europe. It's as simple as that, and that is a hard-edged, hard-nosed competition. So many of them play in France. Uh, all the best, John. I have um, have a good time while I'm or, while I'm away, and uh, look forward to catching up with you when I uh, get home. It is uh, ten thirty here on SCNZ. Right, it's a, a rainy little Tuesday here in Hawkes Bay. I can tell you, there's uh, been a bit of precipitation, Louis, and there's uh, Group One racing this weekend.
3: Yeah, there is. It's the Arrowfield stud plate, the mile for $400,000 Group 1 racing yeah, at Hastings. And uh, they tell me, well, looking at the loveracing.nz website, 26 mils of rain in the last 24 hours. It is a heavy eight at the moment. I had a look at the seven day forecast. So obviously, it doesn't bother you, Smithy. Or you might be looking at the seven mm. day forecast. And where are you going? Um, Hydra. Uh, Hydra. Yeah, it's warm. I, yeah, it's warm. I'll, I'll probably have a $5 each way bet on the fact that it's warm.
0: It's it's firm track at Hyderabad, I can tell you that Very firm
3: Do you think it might be that kind of Singapore-y um, Like a bit of moisture in it because of the humidity maybe? Maybe It might be just a little bit of give, you're right yeah. I'll <laughs> Just,
0: keep an just, eye just like a
3: cushion I, <laughs> When I'm making my pick I'll let you know Thanks, mate. Just tell me if they get the talent or not. Um, well, it's interestingly enough, I think there's a little bit of rain uh, due on the Saturday. So, at this stage uh, uh, at Hastings, which the track played beautifully, like fair play, full credit to the track team, uh, Rich Fenwick, et cetera, there, um, three weeks ago for the Tarzino. It was just it was a great day betting and, and racing. So, I would hate it to be a heavy track, but, uh, you know. That's what happens at spring at this time of year. You can copy heavy track just like that, and it just is. It's it is as easy as it as it sounds. Just a bit of rain. Um, what would that do to the field, though? Interesting. Mm. We'll see the field get screwed down later today, and then the market will be open tomorrow, probably late morning, early afternoon. I think it usually is um, for Group Ones. Cool sign Mav, we know he'll go through anything. La Creek, well, she probably won't turn up if it's anything worse than a 7, I would imagine. Legato, I think they'll run pretty much no matter what, unless it got heavy, heavy. Uh, Mustang Valley was is going to love it. She's going to love anything around that 8, 9, 10 range. Um, sharp and smart. He can get through it. Rogie's always said he's a better track, a better horse on firm track. I, I tend to believe that. And then your aromatics and, and your malt times, what are they going to go? Are they going to go through it? aromatic will um, Campionessa? Yeah, I'm interested to see if she turns up in this final field. So it, it's really interesting. What sort of track we get will dictate what the market will look like. I can guarantee you that. And good news for us, Smitty on Friday night, group one racing in Australia, the Moyer Stakes Imperatries. I think she's about a, odds-on chance. She's about two bucks to win another Group 1 in Australia. They've fallen in love with this mare. They absolutely love her over there because they love winners. The Australians, they are crazy about winners which means that they are getting stuck into the wallabies all over the back pages of the papers this morning, but they uh, won't be getting stuck into Imperatries unless she, she goes under at odds-on, then all of a sudden she'll go out of favour as fast as possible because that's what they're like. They're fickle, aren't they? like they are
0: fickle are not they are not they just? Aren't they just, Louis? Not like us. Solid, in our opinions. It is 10.36. Uh, Thanks for that, mate. We'll be back to you uh, later in the morning. Of course, you can answer this question. Um, Does Legato get a, st- a start on real heavy Mustang Valley? We'll be giggling, so you can comment on that a wee bit later. It's 10.36. Dan Ma- Daniel McCarty next. It is 10.41 uh, here on the, the Bulletin we're going to have now with uh, Daniel McCarty, who, have, uh, of course, has been uh, in France for a couple of weeks and, uh, now back on deck here, but who's to no, if uh, the All Blacks can uh, knock over um, their quarterfinal opponent who looks like it's going to be Ireland, Daniel McCarty might be back on the plane to call a bit of history, we'll she'll wait and see, uh, good morning to you uh, Daniel McCarty, uh, it says here in the notes I've got to give you some handover notes, I've got no handover notes for you mate, you're a wily old character, uh, you might have some notes for Eddie Jones though What you, you You might have some notes for Eddie Jones and Wallabies rugby, What do you, what do you make of that?
10: I'm so torn, Smithy. I can't wait to fill in that, 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 that big big shoes that you will leave, my friend, as you, you depart. So uh, looking forward to whittling away your audience to next to nothing when you return, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> a, bit, a bit like Australian rugby fans, um, as Eddie Jones ha- has done. You know what? I'm so torn on this one, Smithy. I, I, I think in an era, in the era of uh, mundane media personalities in rugby, Eddie Jones is a maverick. I absolutely love listening to him. Um, so, so part of me wants his, him to stay on. I know he's got a long-term deal with Australia, but boy, oh boy, they look, they've just looked a horrendously coached side, haven't they, unfortunately? Um, now, these systemic issues in Australian rugby has been for a couple of decades, and we've talked about it ad nauseum, haven't we? But that side looked completely lost. And I'm just quickly going back, um, and looking at the, the Australian side that played France on the end of the uh, year tour last year, you know, almost 12 months ago, not even 12 months ago, when Dave Rennie was still in charge, of the 15 that started against France and lost by one point at the park, uh, start to France, where France have not lost a test since 2017, just four of the 15 players who started against Wales fronted in that game, Smithy. That's alarming, isn't it? All four are mm. in the forwards. So a completely new backline. So I wonder if he's tried to change too much Coaching staff included in that, mixed messaging, uh, they looked so disconnected, did they? Um, and I felt very, I felt actually sad for Australian rugby and the Wallabies. And you compare it to the, the French side of 12 months ago, who essentially ran out the side that uh, took on the All Blacks in game number one. So France, near the top of the pile, full of continuity, Australia uh, are a sorry mess. And it's a real shame because... Let, let's be honest, there's impacts on New Zealand rugby. We are intrinsically tied, our high performance, to South Africa and Australia. South Africa are out of super rugby, and I think that's already starting to show uh, an impact. And what we here in New Zealand are relying on, on a sport that is definitely in crisis in Australia. But, you know, there's, there's massive problems across the ditch, and uh, I'm sure you and I are not going to fix it in the next six or seven minutes.
0: No, we're not. Uh, but we could also ask this question, uh, and that you know, right from the outset when they said, we've got Eddie Jones, we've finally got our man. In other words, we've got an Aussie to coach Australia. We're loving this. Uh, Eddie's, it's been about Eddie. Uh, I mean, it's, it's been about Eddie the whole time, and it's still about Eddie now because Eddie stands up and says, look, it's on me. I, I, it's my fault. Uh, you know, I made these selections. I made these choices. I haven't coached this side well enough. It's still about Eddie.
10: Yeah, that's what he does. Um, it, it's from that playbook of maybe trying to deflect attention from his players. I always refer to that masterclass of a press conference he gave when coaching England at the last World Cup ahead of taking on the All Blacks, where he spent just half an hour throwing out the weirdest, strangest things. And all of us in the media completely latched onto them and you know took our eye off the, off the pressure on maybe the English players. He always has made it about himself. Uh, but the chickens have come home to roost. But it, it does seem... Uh, you know, a very, very um, complicated landscape, Australia. You know, I really enjoyed Stan sports commentary and, and their analysis after the game yesterday. But I couldn't help but stare at Justin Harrison, who's offering a critique on their tournament. And he's the boss of the Players Association. It just, it just seems very odd to, to me what's going on in Australian rugby top to tail.
0: Look, uh, I, I, do, I I echo those thoughts. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm not a big post-pre-half-time sort of a yeah. guy myself, but I absolutely loved it. Uh, and I loved the fact that there was disagreement on the panel as well. And, uh, you know, um, Sonny Bill was uh, really heavily involved with that. Uh, DuPont, um, you've uh, tasted a bit of DuPont fever because you've been to France, obviously. Uh, I'm not writing this kid off at all. I, I think he'll be there, mask or not. Yeah, I'm with
10: you, Smithy. Uh, the, this guy, is, I, I keep describing it as he is a rock and roll star. He's not a sports star. He's rock and roll. He is everywhere. And we finished off our little trip in Toulouse where he, play, where he plays his club rugby. And his shirt's on every sports uh, shop. Uh, his book is front and center of most bookstores. He's had documentaries, cartoons made about him. He is a massive deal. And it's understandable because the guy is fantastic. We played an incredible clip from Ronan O'Gara, the La Rochelle coach, talking about how do you game plan for DuPont? And he just described him as uh, just a, a once-in-a-lifetime player. Can run, You fend like a centre, can run like a winger, can, can you know direct a game like a first five. And this is all from the number nine jersey uh, to get him back central to France's chance of winning this tournament, I would think. Foucault's so a very nice player, uh, the guy will come off the bench and, and start, you know, fill in those big shoes. But he's not going to do it, the job that uh, DuPont uh, will do. So we, we do, uh, the rugby fan in me wants him to play. So I know this chat of the mask, as, you, as you've touched on, exactly what that looks like. There's some, some pretty strident, stringent rules from world rugby, exactly what you can um, have across your face. But uh, I'm sure uh, the, the nation of France still holding its breath on Anton DuPont.
0: We were just talking to Lisa Alexander, a former coach of the Diamonds for 10 years. A winning ratio of 81%, 102 games in charge. She's got pretty much full faith in Dame Nolene Taurua and this current crop of silver ferns to turn this around. Um, I'm not sure I have.
10: Yeah, it's a real dent, isn't it? Losing to an English side who um, have since over not their full strength lineup, straight on the back of a World Cup that. New Zealand uh, disappointed. uh, And and I think for the first time, um, probably Dame Nolan herself is probably looking in the mirror and thinking, do I need to make some changes? Uh, And and I'm sure the spotlight from the New Zealand sporting public um, is is now firmly shined on that team, shining on that team, because the results are speaking for themselves. Uh, Let's let's hope they can can bounce back and and finish off the series on a high. But it's... It's a little bit unusual sort of questioning Dame Nolene, right, Smithy? We're, we're, we're just mm. accustomed to her and her teams performing and, and winning the big game. So um, the doldrums, you could almost uh, say they, they're finding themselves in uh, after these last couple of months.
0: Happy with the, uh, the way the EPL has uh, started? Absolutely. Um, although I'm not
10: too happy with how good Manchester City look, Smithy. I, I did say... Mm. I did say on the Saturday session, my prediction is Man City will lead from week one through to week 38, and unfortunately I know my beloved Liverpool, just one point behind, it looks much the same. They're just so good. You know, players like Calvin Phillips, who's, you know, a nailed-on squad member on the English squad can't even crack that Manchester City line-up. It just shows the ridiculous depth they do have. They're just so well-run, beautifully coached, got amazing players. So I expect them to win when all is said and done, but or maybe Liverpool are um, bubbling away at the surface and, and appearing to be their next rival. Spurs, what a great story. Ange Ball, Ange Postacoglu, have you got a poster of him on the mm. wall? Uh, yeah, um, yes,
0: I have. He's, I have. Yeah, I, in fact, I'm, t- I'm taking it with me to India, believe it or not.
10: <laughs> he's just such a, such a real dude, isn't he? He's just he, he's just a quintessential Aussie, making sure he shouted out to his Carlton Blues before uh, the North London derby, and I think all the... The journos in the, in the press room had absolutely no idea what he was talking about. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then his side come from behind uh, to snatch a point against you know, the second-best team in England last season. So, just going great. Manchester United, what a strange-looking lineup they look like they have at the moment. They've got lots of work to do both on and off the park. So, it, it does seem to me, though... Uh, that we will be talking more about places 2 through to 20. It just looks like Man City are going to flex their muscles again. And I did see a big story in one of the English publications today about can they win all four
0: after winning the treble last season.
10: <laughs> oh dear, I'm not sure I can cope with that,
0: But if they win the quadruple. A nah, bit tough to stomach. It would be like being a Sheffield United fan at the moment and knowing we're, <laughs> we're picking out what games in the chap. Which games in the championship you want to go to uh, next season? Because it's not looking good for them. 8-0 down to Newcastle yesterday. Hey, would you expect anything but our very best side against Italy?
10: Oh, it has to be. They, they haven't played, Smithy. I, I actually <clears throat> Myself and Justin Marshall spoke about this when we were in France together. We, we would have rolled out our strongest line-up against Namibia. Because you were going to go have a two-week break. Like How much rugby has our best line-up? And I know injuries have played a part in this. But how much footy have they played together? It's interesting to me um, how much Ireland have depended on their strongest sort of 23, 25 players so far in this tournament. Um, New Zealand have to get them on the park, have to get them on the park against uh, Uruguay in the final game. So you've got to roll with your number one lineup uh, right through to the end of this tournament from here on in, I would think. But what do I know?
0: Yeah, what do we know exactly? Well, we know exactly what we know. We know that uh, from tomorrow onwards, uh, you uh, will within the capable hands of Louis Herman. What Robbie is on deck is at the moment as well, uh, taking over the show, and uh, you'll do a fantastic job. And who knows? Who knows? The longer I stay over here, over there, the better the Black Caps will be. So let's hope I stay there for a long time, eh? Well, the, the
10: the beauty of it, Smithy, with time zones, you won't have to put us put up with us pestering you, right? For for a chat, it will be way too early. Uh, and, oh, and look, any advice? Any advice? No, any no-go subjects with with, with uh, you know my colleagues? Are there any? talking yeah, just points be... I should stay clear of.
0: Just be wary of Louis Herman Watt because uh, there's an outside chance that you might get a call at two o'clock one morning. And Louis or Herman Watt, if so I've got someone, I've got someone on the line who wants to talk to us now. We have to do a pre-record. Can you get into the studio and do that? Can you do that? Uh, that's all I'll say.
10: <laughs> well, I've worked long enough with uh, Louis in a previous life. He he knows I'm definitely not answering his phone calls. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my goodness! I'll, I, I'll be available. I'll be available. Um, no, no worries at all. Just ring me any time. <laughs> how how yeah.
10: are New Zealand placed, Smithy? Let, let, let me get my first question in on mornings on, with Ian Smith. How are New Zealand placed for this World Cup?
0: Um, I think we're. My um, just I, I did mightily at
10: that. Uh, 2015,
0: 2019. Uh, I didn't see us making the semi-finals, let alone the final. I'm in the same boat right now, but this is subcontinent conditions. A little bit more worried this time around.
10: Yeah, fair enough. A bit like 2011. Okay. Then.
0: Yeah, a <laughs> like, like 2011. That. I, yeah, you're on to it, mate. Okay, um, Daniel McCarty with you tomorrow, folks. Daniel, thanks so much for making yourself available today and for the next uh, 33 months. Good luck. It's 10.53 here on SENZ. Well, the World Cup market suggests there's only five players, really. France at four bucks, on the, they've lengthened on the back of Dupont. Ireland have shortened into four bucks on the strength of their performance against South Africa, We're also at four. Uh, we, at the moment, are fourth on the betting line at five bucks, and England at 10, at 17-1,
3: to Bar-Louis. Oh, man, it all just hinges on Dupont, doesn't it? The whole thing, really. Um, American... F- Football, NFL later today, Smithy. Interesting. We had a text very early days. Get on the Rams. Well, Cincinnati's dollar sixty-three favorite, and the Rams, you're getting three points. You're getting a field goal worth for a dollar ninety plus three, uh, two dollars twenty-eight on the money line. And the game before that, Philadelphia Eagles short favorites over Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Five and a half is your line. You're getting a dollar thirty-nine on the money line for Philly. Cool. Okay, right, Tom Latham uh, from the Black Caps. I think he leaves
0: tomorrow. We'll confirm that. I think they're travelling in two different units, uh, the Black Caps, to India. But uh, that's the eve of the World Cup. So Tom Latham coming up next here on SENZ. Well, the 50-over Cricket World Cup in India is fast approaching, just nine days away. In fact, uh, to be perfectly honest, uh, the current Black Caps squad uh, are uh, in Bangladesh. It's a depleted side, as uh, some of the others uh, came home just to get a bit of family time and uh, a bit of uh, rest and recreation and some final preparation, uh, of course. And they make their way to uh, India in the next couple of days. I think they're moving in uh, two separate groups uh, out of Christchurch. Uh, One of those groups will be uh, Tom Latham, of course, who uh, is so experienced uh, in World Cups, but also very experienced too uh, in playing in Indian conditions. He'll wear the gloves for us uh, as well throughout this tournament and uh, he's been good enough to... uh, to give uh, a bit of his time to us uh, as we speak. Tom, good morning to you.
11: How are you doing?
0: Yeah, pretty damn good, actually. Tom, looking forward to the World Cup, uh, as I imagine uh, you are as well. It seems uh, quite some time ago, since your last World Cup appointment with England uh, back in 2019, but they're first up for you.
11: Yeah, obviously, first up, first game of the tournament, I think it is. So, um, yeah, it's obviously exciting to... To get into it, I, I guess when you look at a World Cup, it always seems a while away, but now it's sort of on our doorstep. It's, uh, yeah, it's obviously pretty exciting to, yeah, to run to get over to India in the next couple of days and, and then get stuck into preparations leading into that first game.
0: So, Tom, uh, any memories lingering with you about 2019? I mean, it's been, uh, it's been brought up uh, so often in the build-up to this World Cup. I just wonder, every time you hear about it or every time you see some little highlights, etc., does it take you back?
11: uh yeah it certainly does um I think you see a little bit of your commentary as well every every now and again which was uh which was pretty cool, but I think you yeah, you obviously look back at that historic game um uh, and that final was yeah it was obviously pretty special to be a part of uh, obviously falling on the wrong side but uh, I guess you're looking back at the whole tournament it's pretty i guess pretty proud of the group in terms of how we actually went about things 'cause there was i guess there was chat around you know there were going to be big scores of four hundred and all that sort of thing on some of those surfaces, but I actually don't think we reached 300 once throughout the whole tournament and we just played our own brand of cricket and, and, and managed to, to have a little bit of success. So I guess that's going to be important leading into, I guess, the next couple of months in terms of trying to find our way to play in those conditions and, and sticking to it as best we can.
0: Nice comparison, actually, because I would imagine most pundits are thinking 300-plus again. Here we're going in batting-friendly conditions being India – but is that how we uh, see it again, or are we going to keep a little bit more open minded?
11: Uh, well, I guess when you when you tour India' uh, obviously conditions are vastly different uh, I guess the last two world Cups in England and, and obviously the one in two thousand and fifteen and uh, New Zealand and Australia so I guess looking looking forward um, you know conditions as I said are, are completely different, so it's going to be a slightly different way. you know teams are probably going to go about it um, you know potential due might come in later on in, in the game um, for the day and night game. So I think, as, as always, any game of cricket, it's about trying to adapt as best you can, but uh, in slightly different conditions that we're not necessarily used to. Um, it's about trying to find our best way to play uh, in a World Cup and where the pitches change from the start of the tournament towards the end of the tournament. Um, you know, will be interesting on potentially used wickets. So uh, yeah, I guess it's, it's all up in the air, and it's about trying to adapt as, as quick as you can.
0: Interesting conundrum you bring up there too, because you, you talk about the Jew factor, which tends to suggest uh, the ball gets a little bit harder to hold on to bowling from a uh, perspective, etc. I, I just wonder, I just wonder then, um, where we seem to be a relatively good side chasing. Is, is that is that a preference in those conditions? And but then again, you weigh it up against the fact that wearing pitches perhaps later in the tournament suggests maybe having first use of them. So how, how do you weigh that up?
11: Yeah, I guess that's uh, uh, that's a decision we have to come up with. Whether it's, uh, I guess, what's going to be hardest, I guess, towards the end, whether it's going to be batting or bowling. And um, I think we're lucky enough we've got a reasonably experienced side that have played in those conditions, whether it be for New Zealand or or whether it be IPL. Um, You know, so I guess talking to them, seeing what sort of the best option is. But um, I guess whatever you do, you've got to do really well. uh, You know, especially in, in all games and. I guess with the format, playing everyone once, you know, you almost got to hit the ground running in terms of you can't sort of be slow, uh, you know, to get started. It's about trying to trying to start quickly in, in games and, and and get on the front foot nice and early. So um, yeah, you know, I, I guess it's all those things weighing up what's the best thing, and um, I guess communication is a, is a big thing we talk about as a group and it's about trying to get those get those comms back to the group as best they can in terms of what's working well and, and what's working or not working so well.
0: How important are these two warm-up games, uh, Pakistan and South Africa, for you? Uh, how long since we've uh, had a cricket South Africa in this warm-up?
11: Yeah, I you know, honestly haven't played South Africa a lot throughout my, my whole international career. So, um, yeah, I guess coming up against a, a strong Pakistan side, we're um, obviously playing some really good cricket at the moment. We played them only a couple of months ago over in Pakistan and, and obviously we've seen South Africa come off the, the back of a, a pretty good series win against Australia after being sort of up against it after those first two games. So I, I think for us, you know, the next week's going to be really important in terms of training and those games, in terms of guys getting used to, to conditions uh, as, as quickly as possible. And and if we can do that, then, you know, hopefully that gives ourselves a good chance to, to get ready for that first game, which um, yeah, is obviously going to be a, a pretty exciting one at a, at a big ground uh, against a quality side. And, and I'm going to be at,
0: Yeah, uh, I think it'll be potentially the first sellout of the tournament, and I think it'll be a great reflection of how things are going to go. Just looking at the draw, uh, Tom, now it compares quite well with uh, the draw that you had uh, in England. In fact, uh, I look at the teams that you're playing. Okay, England is uh, is a 50-50 for me, and they look mighty strong at the moment. But then you've got the Netherlands, Bangladesh and Afghanistan, and normally you'd say in most conditions around the world, we'd be favourites going into those games. We should be against the Netherlands anywhere. Uh, But Bangladesh and Afghanistan, in-turning conditions, are totally different than Bangladesh and Afghanistan in England.
11: Yeah, you you did right. I think Um, you know. I guess those teams that are are used to playing in in those conditions or conditions that are slightly similar, um, obviously know them sort of like like the back of their hand, really. So, I I guess for us, it's about trying to, you know, play our best game of cricket, no matter no matter who we're playing. And, And I guess from from a preparation point of view, we. We do all our scouting and, and all that sort of thing. So, um I think we're lucky we play um we play Bangladesh and Afghanistan in Chennai, uh, which, you know, we've obviously had Stephen Fleming with us. Uh, obviously Devin Conway's played a little bit at Chennai, so um trying to get as much information out of those guys as we can around conditions. So uh, but yeah, this there's, there's certainly gonna be a threat um, throughout the whole tournament, I'd imagine and um, and as you said, if conditions suit them then um, you know, they're obviously pretty powerful.
0: Oh, are we on track? I mean, we're, you're not going to give us any selection issues or medical updates. Are we on track to seeing Kane fairly early on in the piece?
11: Uh, yeah, I guess so. I think in terms of where he was, um, you know, in England just just over the last week to to see where he's come uh, over the last couple of months. Obviously, hasn't <laughs> hasn't been long since he's had surgery, and to. I guess the Sam running, Sam hitting balls the way he is and, you know, turning and all that sort of thing is, is a pretty positive sign. So um I guess we have to wait and see. So I think it's always been a bit of a day by day process with him, uh, in terms of what, you know, the potential first game will look like but um, you know, hopefully he's tracking in the right direction over the last week and, and over the next week and hopefully mm-hmm. give himself a good chance of being ready for I guess for the first couple of games.
0: Tom, uh, we saw just how powerful England can be. We had uh, a really good run-chasing performance ourselves uh, against England to open up that series. Then they came back at us pretty strong. Um, they look a mighty formidable combination uh, anywhere in the world. Perhaps even a little bit stronger with their experience now than 2019.
11: Yeah, I think you look at the series just played. Um, you know, they're they're obviously full of confidence at the moment. I think uh, in terms of the, the brand that they're playing and. And the way that they're going about things, uh, obviously, with the bat, they come pretty hard and, and they don't tend to stop. So um, I guess it obviously makes them a massive threat, but uh, obviously gives us opportunities as well. Um, yeah, with with the ball in hand, they are going to keep coming. So um, you know, as I said earlier, conditions are, are completely different. So whether that changes the way they go about things will, will be interesting. But um, yeah, they're certainly they're always going to be a threat. They have been for the last, I guess. Since 2015, they've been, you know, one of the best sides in the world. So, um, yeah, it's certainly going to be an exciting game. First up, and you know, it only takes a couple of guys to, to have a good day. And, and obviously, we're, we're right in the game. So, uh, yeah, we're certainly looking forward to that challenge.
0: Tom, you've done really well and uh, batting-wise, and in, in Indian conditions, spinning conditions, it's been one of your strong points. Uh, how do you prepare? What is your mind, uh, your mind the thoughts, uh, etc. How does it govern you to playing spin in one-day cricket?
11: Yeah, I think again it's adapting to conditions. Um, whatever whatever the surface may be, uh, I think batting in the middle order, you know, around that five position is you know, you're always coming at a different situation. It's never you never know you know when you're going to come in and bat. So it's about trying to adapt to the situation as as best you can. You know, you could be in at thirty for three or, or two hundred for three. So um, you know that sort of varies the way you play. But I guess those conditions, uh, you know, potentially facing a lot of spin through the middle. Um, being able to get off strikes really important you uh, have to find your boundaries um, have have options to find a boundary uh, is really important as well so uh, if we can do that straight away um, you know, if conditions are a little bit tougher then I guess it's about trying to soak up a little bit of pressure at times and and then being able to put it back on them you know when the time's right so uh, yeah it's, a, it's always a good challenge to to plan in there uh, especially if uh, the turning ball you know with a Sweeps, reverse sweeps come into play. That's sort of been a strength of mine for a while. So uh, I'm sure I'll be looking to do something similar uh, over the next few months.
0: Tom, we're, we're watching, uh, of course, and you would have been as well, uh, watching the, the Rugby World Cup out of uh, France and the immense amount of pressure and they're placing on their heroes, the likes of DuPont and that. Can you just, uh, for our listeners, just outline how much pressure India are under uh, to win a, a World Cup at home? And, and the fever pitch, atmospheres that they'll be playing in front of
11: yeah i think whenever you play india or whenever you play in india um, regardless if it's a world cup or not there's yeah i guess they're they're cricket mad aren't they cricket's pretty much like a religion over in over in india and and i guess over recent years they probably haven't had the success they wanted in uh, in white ball tournaments and uh, i'm sure you know heading into the tournament they'll People see them as massive favourites, so um, you know even though they're playing some good cricket at the moment, there's, there's always pressure. There's always that external noise that, that comes in. So, and you know, as I said, yeah, you've got to play. You've got to play well on the day. It um, doesn't matter what happens games before or, um, you know, what you've done beforehand. It's about turning up on a specific day and, and trying to play as best you can. And uh, I'm sure they'll be looking to do that. Um,
10: mm-hmm. You know,
11: even, you know, with the, the added pressure that they have been at home. Um, but yeah, they're, they're certainly an exciting, exciting team and certainly one to beat.
0: What What's, um, just finally, what's life like as a touring cricketer in India as opposed to uh, most other countries in the world. I mean, you know, even now in Christchurch, um, you can probably pop down to uh, take uh, the family down for coffee, etc., and be largely untouched. But what's it life, uh, life like as a touring cricketer in India, as opposed to being a, an Indian cricketer in India?
11: Yeah, I guess you, you don't really see a lot of the Indian cricketers. To be fair, when you're you know, the, the same hotel, I think they tend to tend to stay pretty low key. I uh, guess as soon as uh, you know, they head out of the hotel and, and there's swarms of people around them. Um, you know, a little bit the same with us sometimes when, when you leave the hotel, uh, depending on who you with. But, um, yeah, it's certainly, a, I guess, a, a different culture than what we're faced with here in New Zealand, where, as you said, you can pop down to the cafe and, and have a coffee and a bite to eat without being uh, disturbed too much. But, um you know, over there, it's uh, certainly a different story for them. Um, yeah, which is, I guess, that's something that they've they've not not born into, but I guess that's something that they're probably used to dealing with uh, you know, since playing international cricket.
0: Well, it's the experience of a lifetime for anyone to play in a World Cup, but one in India too. Uh, just uh, adds a little extra dimension because of the love for the game they have over there. Travel safe, uh, Tom Latham. All the very best, and we shall uh, see you in Hyderabad in a few days' time.
11: Wonderful. Thanks a lot,
0: Yeah, cheers. Uh, Tom Latham there uh, out of uh, Christchurch at the moment. The, I think Tom heads over tomorrow in the second group of travellers um, and we'll wait to see if uh, Tim Southey will be on uh, one of those uh, one of those two planes uh, they'll make an announcement I'm sure in the next uh, day or so it is coming up to 11.18 uh, we'll have a, bit of a sports desk uh, coming up uh, very shortly and uh, Louis will be in charge of that
7: Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out
3: Polaris will be uh, all about this one. Special offers on now at your local Polaris dealer. Get free roof, windscreen, rear panel, wiper kit, and tow hitch. Valued at $5,000 on a Polaris Ranger 1000. And I know Polaris will love this because everybody, everybody is loving the Eddie Jones content at the moment. And we've managed to dig out some more press conference audio, which is, um, I didn't know where we were due to get any more, but, well, we've found some. Eddie, a disastrous World Cup for Australian rugby. Would you agree?
1: Well, you don't know what you're talking about, mate. Now this is exactly where I want us to be. Now we're giving us a chance. Everybody riding us off. You know, tell us we're terrible and see what happens, mate. Well, you were terrible against Wales. Well, I actually thought we were amazing, mate. Tactically, I thought we got it spot on. You know, I said, let Wales come on to you, mate. Let them have the ball. Lure them into a full set of security. And when they least expected, mate, Pounce. But you but you didn't pounce. I said when they least expected, mate. You know, maybe not tonight, maybe not tomorrow, mate. When they least expected. You know, but I wouldn't expect you guys to understand it, because you don't know anything about rugby, mate. You know, well, you guys are so negative. I mean, where were you guys when we were top of that group? In June, July, and August, eh? Well the only reason you were top of the group at that stage was because of alphabetical order. See that's the kind of negativity I'm talking about, mate. Scum Was it disrespectful to Wales to say you've no doubt you'd win on Sunday? And did I say which Sunday, mate? No, but I presume... No, no, so you presume, mate. Yeah, because I was talking about next Sunday. Yeah, against Portugal. Okay? And I would never be disrespectful towards Wales, mate. You know, I think what they've done tonight is an amazing achievement. For a little country that it is. With only three million people. I mean, is it even a real country, mate? Or is it just the arsehole of another country? There's a lot of people who want you sacked as Wallaby's head coach. Will you stay on, Eddie? Well, I'm actually getting hundreds of messages, mate. Well, people begging me to stay. You know, people that know about rugby, mate. You know, I've got them all here, mate. Please, Eddie, don't leave Australia. Stay, Eddie, please. Keep doing the job you're doing, Eddie, mate. You're doing great. We love you, you know? I'm getting hundreds of these messages from people all over New Zealand. Okay. Anyway, mate, I don't expect these scumbags to know anything about rugby. So just know it's all part of the plan, mate. There's exactly where I want
0: us to be. Unbelievable, Eddie. It just carries on
3: the same theme, doesn't it? Brilliant. I mean... It- it really could be him. It's not. It's uh, Connor Sketches. He's done He's done plenty of uh, uh, golf simulations. He does all those impersonations. He's done Formula One. He does them all. And when he nailed the Eddie Jones, that was for an offshore bookmaker, they commissioned that beautiful piece of art, we'll call it. I just was losing it when I saw that this morning. I just, I, just thought,
0: I mean, I've, I've been watching the various cameras we've got here and everyone has just been absolutely, I mean, very, very clever. Good God, that's clever. I mean, what would that guy charge for after dinner speaking and, and things of that nature? It's just not the voice. <laughs> it's the content, the, the, the memory, of uh, everything he said throughout his press conferences, uh, including I would never write. I, I'd never call uh, South Africa South Africa. I would never call the spring box
3: or dilute the, the quality of the jersey. He brought that back against Wales as well. It was brilliant. Yeah, very well put together, Smithy. Hey, I've got one other bit of um, extended audio for you, actually. This is not fake. You can't fake this. This is Alan Jones. So, former coach. Um, it's fair to say controversial media, TV yep. personality in Australia. Genius. Big opinion. Genius. Y- yeah. Love him. Probably. Yeah. Very wealthy. Um, and obviously, he's passionate about the Wallabies. Well, Joel and Fletch uh, on the Sydney 1170 network in Australia on ECN. They managed to track him down yesterday. It wasn't hard to get him to answer his phone. And, all oh, did he tee off on the powers that be?
12: Look, I've written about this bloke over and over again. That McLennan is the person. The chairman, it was a, it was a uh, captain's call. McLennan should be out the door today. He knows nothing about rugby. and He's the chairman of Australia, who thinks he does. Knows nothing about the game. He wouldn't know how to judge a successful coach. I mean, this is a prestigious job coaching Australia. It should have been advertised. It wasn't. This bloke runs around undermining David ben- Rennie. Having t- now, I was opposed, by the way, to Rennie getting the job, just as New Zealanders would be opposed if I was appointed the all-black coach. They won't, won't accept that. New Zealanders coached New Zealand. But that said, Rennie was a decent man. He didn't throw people under the bus. He didn't abuse people. He didn't have 12 assistant coaches. And 12 months ago... I mean, in in the same outfit, played the All Blacks in Melbourne. I mean, if you want to look at the scoreboard, I mean, sport's about arithmetic, whether it's rugby league or AFL or whatever. Mm. It's about points on the board. Well, 12 months ago, Rennie went to Melbourne. Everybody who's a rugby fan would remember that at full-time against the All Blacks in Melbourne, Australia, the Wallabies were in front. And Bernard Foley was penalised for allegedly running down the clock, which drove Australian supporters nuts. And he gave a a scrum to the All Blacks. And after three rucks, the All Blacks scored and won after full time in Melbourne, 39-37. months on, the rugby messiah goes down there, McLennan's messiah. And he called him a messiah. And he said he's the best coach in the world. McLennan said when he appointed him, you wait, you get the Wallabies winning. We win the World Cup. We win the British and Irish Lions Series. We win the British Cup. It all comes back. A whole heap of crap, that is. And I said it was that at the time because this bloke's outlived his usefulness. Anyway, he took the Wallabies down there to Melbourne and he had access to the same place, but I don't know. Now, he, you know, some of these players, this is not for the tomorrow. I'm picking young people. That's also crap.
0: Well, that is Alan Jones, who was one of the most eloquent men who can deliver a sermon uh, second to none. He's uh, he, can, he can just do it. Uh, off the top of his head. And that, of course, is a former Australian rugby coach himself who enjoyed the prestige of being a Wallabies coach. Yes, controversial, um, but you hear from him a genuine caring,
3: don't you, Louis? You you hear a caring uh, in that voice. He's passionate. He's upset. He feels let down, like so many Australian rugby fans do. The conundrum now is, what do you do? I mean like cutting it's so hard to ignore the past but you kind of have to just bury it all and, and now you've got to think what's best Do you, is is there any way they can justify letting Eddie go now they've gone this far down the path do you just kind of just have to ride it out and and this is it this is your new this is the new existence or do you do the uncomfortable thing and hit reset again and, and then deal with the damage I don't know what the right you know it's almost like what path do you go down I don't know I don't know either. I've got absolutely no idea what they go
0: down now. Uh, a lot will depend, um, I think anyway, on the truth on the substance, uh, whether he's been job hunting beforehand. Mm. I, I mean, if, if Tom Decent's article, now Tom Deeson is the journalist who broke this. Uh, we've had him on the show two, to three to four times over the course of the last couple of years. And I, I I believe that, you know, he and he's backed up, he's stood by what he has written here, that, Eddie Jones was in part of a, an interview-type process for the national job of coaching Japan prior to this tournament. Prior to this tournament. Eddie Jones' record is 1-8. 1-8. and, eight. One and eight. He's beaten Georgia 35-15. to 15. Georgia by 20 points. 20 points he's beaten Georgia. <clears throat> uh, you know, he'll turn around and he'll thump Portugal. Yeah, that's what'll happen. They'll backlash it and they'll thump Portugal. Uh, I'll give him a fearful pasting. And he'll have two and nine. Georgia and Portugal. Wow, well done, Eddie. Uh, okay, it's, uh, thanks for that, Louis. Uh, very entertaining, I've got to say. Uh, it's 11.31. We've got to get to uh, Stump Smithy. 0800 uh, 150 811. We've got uh, the fine product from Castles Craft Breweries. It's the, it's the craft beer. We'll have a six-pack uh, to deliver to your front door. Uh, we'll also, of course, have you uh, in the Friday freebie, the multi of your choice, uh, last weekend, didn't quite get it done. We're still about one in four, I think. But uh, we shall uh, give you that opportunity on Friday morning. And, of course, when it comes to uh, the drinking side of things, we always say, like we do when we gamble, uh, gamble and drink responsibly. It is time for the news with Araha. Ian Smith's had a good match here.
1: Stamped by Smithy.
5: Ian Smith really is top
0: class at his job. Rightio, let's get straight across to uh, Louie, who's in charge today and uh, sitting on top of a case of that
3: beautiful Castles beer to give away. He yeah, only, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, three more six-packs to go, including today's smithy, and it'll be sad to see it go. Hopefully Harry can go and uh, work his magic and get us some more, because it is delicious. Let's start with Hemi and Pukakoi today, smithy. Hemi, morning to you. How's it going? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Excellent. What would you like to do? You've got NFL American football, you've got MLB baseball, or you've got
4: tennis? (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, I don't know much about American sports. I might have to give tennis a go.
3: All righty. Sure. Tennis. Let's do it. The Labor Cup... Between Team Europe and Team World took place over the weekend in which country? Um, What was that, Emmy? One. One of
6: the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Sweden. One of the worst things. I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
3: I've got Canada here. radio Next question. Canada. Okay. Canada. Yeah, yeah, Canada. That's right. Who is Kiwi Aaron Routliff's current doubles partner? Very successful duo, Hemi.
5: Oh. Well, I know she's Canadian, but I'm speaking her name now. Um, Now, nah, now, nah,
6: name's lost in One of the game. worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
0: <laughs> well, Hemi, I, uh, it's one we should always remember because it's uh, on the, the tennis majors for, well, it's on the honors board for all time. Gabby Zabroski. Gabby Zabroski, I
3: think is your name. Know.
6: Right in the slot, and away it goes.
3: Mm. I think we'll pay that. I mean it's it's there's a there's a letter wrong but we think well Robbie's gone early with the, the jingle, so we'll pay that to Broski. We're gonna say that that was a silent D, Smithy. Um Okay, let's go to Levi in Dunedin. Jeez, you swung swooped in at the right time here, Levi, haven't you? Yep,
9: yep, got in just in time.
3: One shot for the chocolates. Who is the highest ranked player? on the men's singles rankings to represent a country in the Southern Hemisphere? Who's the highest ranked male from the Southern Hemisphere? I think that's the question. Say that question. Yes, please do. I'm going to try and reword this. Who is the highest, highest ranked male from the Southern Hemisphere on the world rankings?
9: Um I'll go with 5
6: 4 3 bolt <laughs> one of the worst things i have ever seen done on a cricket field
3: Say the question again <laughs> Well i'm not going to say the it's answer tennis, isn't it? yeah it's tennis it's tennis Oh i thought it, oh no um no. <laughs>
0: No, it's not Nick curious, Swinney, you? all oh, right right. Okay, I was waiting for the jingle. Um, radio. so it's not It's not Nick Kyrgios. Uh This side down here. So who are we looking at? South Africa? Don't think so. New Zealand, definitely not. Has to be Australia. I'll go the other Australian. Alex De Mino. Just a
6: couple
3: of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot. And away it goes. Ah, uh, slogged it. Gone. It's Alex Dimonor. That means we jackpot to a dozen, a full dozen tomorrow for a Wednesday. And Smithy won't be here. Ah, oh, he goes out victorious. Good feeling. <laughs> Thanks, Levi. Thanks for taking part. But a couple of
0: answers, I genuinely did know the answer to there. So uh, there we go. Um, we'll have, yeah, as I say, uh, a dozen up for grabs tomorrow. It'll be the McCarty and uh, of course uh, the Herman Watch Show at that point and I'm pretty sure Robbie's back on deck tomorrow as well. So they'll sort you out with the possibility of winning out. Who, who hops in the driver's seat? Do you, you, you become the boss, Louis, and do you run the cutter, or um, are you going to make,
3: expose no. McCarty to this kind of um, no, knowledge? It has, has to be McCarty, although I, I think and I haven't talked to him. I don't know how how likely he is going to be to put together a daily multi. So, no, that might be you. It might be me. Um, he'll definitely be doing the quizzing. He'll definitely be doing the sermoning. He'll definitely... Be... What else do you do around here? Um... Not much. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, mate. Yeah, thanks, mate.
0: Well, let's get to a couple, a couple of texts while I'm thinking about that. Marshy um, uh, says, Smitty, we're, well, we're off to Wellington to bring the shield back home this weekend, mate. Uh, fantastic. Uh, when's uh, Walker weary allowed back? He must be due. Go the mighty magpies, Marshy. Uh, all the very best. Enjoy your trip down to the capital. Um, and James has come in. If uh, Eddie leaves to coach Japan, the Aussies will revoke his citizenship. He won't be able to step foot in the country again. That would be interesting, uh, if that is the case. Uh, yeah, well, there's got to be some validity in it. I mean, he's denied it and said it's rubbish. But, gosh, it's, it's so far out there, you think there might be some... Essence to it. Uh, Brendan has said, uh, "Safe travels, have fun, Smithy, and hope the Black Caps go well." Certainly, hope they do too. Brendan, it's a lot easier calling your team when they are on top. I can promise you. Uh, but you're going to have a great weekend, and we wish you all the very best there. Tickets and flight to to the grand final all sorted. Come on the Broncos, and hopefully going to Ranwick Races this Saturday as well. How cool? How cool is that? Uh, and the network is uh, undergoing some maintenance on the coastal area, so Hokitika and Westport, please. If you can possibly do that, uh, go onto the app where we're fine. Haven't got an update, sorry, on Geordie, Lomax, Frizzell and Kane, uh, but that'll come out uh, in the team revealing in the next day or so. Uh, Thank you, Lorenzo, uh, very much for your good wishes. As to you, Maggie, and we'll make sure Louis and Daniel give you a lot of tennis updates uh, while I'm away as well. Keep you posted with that. Uh, Speaking of updates, we've got an ag update coming next with uh, the wonderful Aroha. And that's what we'll do, uh, courtesy of Collier's, in the next segment of the show. With
6: the very latest in rural news, this is Ag Insights on Mornings with Ian
2: Smith, Collier's Rural and Agribusiness. Licence REAA 2008. Wears
0: many hats, does uh, our Aroha, and uh, this morning she's got the uh, Ag Insights hat, uh, courtesy of Colliers. And uh, whilst a lot of people bemoaning the amount of rain that they're getting around the country, particularly in the deep south, those a little bit further up in South Canterbury are quite delighted by it, Aroha.
8: Welcome back, raindrops, say the South Cantabrians. Although I I did write on my notes, please acknowledge those who were negatively impacted by the recent flooding in Queenstown, Gore and Southland, because... Us in the North Island, we remember that and we still have PTSD from it. So yes, some yeah. rain welcomed not only by the farmers south of Canterbury after a drier than normal set of conditions heading into summer, but also the firefighters, you know, they, they're the ones who had to spend all those days trying to deal with the fire at Hukaki Downs and Lake Tekapo. Federated Farmers President Gren Anderson said it had been a dry all winter in the last couple of weeks with westerly winds Thursday and Friday's rain will be quite a bit of help. And the Met Service says there's even more rain coming. It sounds sounds weird to be going yay as you're coming into school holidays when you want a bit of fine weather and not stuck in the car on the ferry with the kids. But if you're into farming, it's a little bit of a blessing after the last few months' weather.
0: Okay, and uh, I guess the firefighters will be bit delighted by that as well, particularly in the rural areas. You know, what? I wrote Some bad news, though...
8: Sorry, I was just going to say, when I wrote the story about that fire, that was one of the things that helped was that big dousing Mm -hmm. of rain because they were having trouble putting the blinking thing out due to the wind. Sorry, carry Mm -hmm. on.
0: I shall. Uh, some bad news uh, for Sinle Milk uh, Aroha because... Uh, we're hearing of uh, an annual loss of, of a quite a uh, an extreme amount which uh, going forward uh, is uh, going to be a bit of an issue it seems
8: I suppose when I when I looked at this one and I was trying to figure out was the was it a an income loss? Is it straight loss in terms of cash flow? Um, The Canterbury-based milk processor turned a loss of $4.3 million in the year to July 31st. And I suppose what makes it so sensational is that they had a $38.5 million profit in the previous year. So that's more than a $42 million difference. It's huge. Sinlay. Chief Executive Grant Watson said it was an extremely challenging year for the company. Watson said the reductions in customer demand, CO2 shortages. Remember when the last CO2 factory in the country was getting set to shut down and we couldn't have beer anymore? All of that extreme weather conditions, COVID, higher costs due to inflation. I imagine fuel costs would come in on top of that too. And the company's new enterprise resource planning system were all the main factors in that poor financial performance.
0: Bummer. bummer. <laughs> uh,
8: yes. I when when I do stories with more than six zeros on the end, when you start getting into the tens of millions, it's hard to equate because I can I can barely imagine thirty k, let alone thirty eight no. million. So thirty thirty
0: eight million dollar profit into a four million dollar loss. Big turnaround there. Okay, uh, they've been also struggling, and uh, gee, it's nice to get a, a little bit of positive news here because. For wool growers, it used to be one of our staple, staple mm. incomes, uh, stable incomes as well, because uh, it just was. Now, uh, perhaps some better news.
8: And just about everybody I know from back home, and when I talk about back home, Waikare Moana, um, they just about everybody was involved in that industry in some way, shape, or form, whether it was at the top or at the bottom, you know, whether you're a rousey, or selling overseas so there was a plea from wool farmers for some more certainty and carpet maker company Brimworth has offered mm. growers supply contracts so Brimworth chief executive Greg Smith said Giving those farmers more certainty and income was critical to the future development of the New Zealand's strong will economy. And he's just returned from meeting with Vancouver-based businesses that sell products on behalf of Brentworth in Canada and the US and offered 10-year contracts to a select number of farms. I think that's magnificent. They'll be co-creating a wool growers club to get some better returns for farmers too. So that's Brimworth stepping up to the plate and trying, putting at least putting it on the table. I don't know if the contract's uh, one that they would want, one that's worth their time, but it's on the table and that gives some certainty. I'm pleased about that. It
0: does. It does. And just finally, um, slightly different um, than uh, an ag update, but one that you're all over. Another bummer for Liam Lawson? Yeah, or not? Ah.
8: Uh, you know, I heard Murph talking about how the the Danny Rick line was uh, kind of Netflix sort of take on things. Maybe, but I think they kind of dug themselves a hole. Look, put it this way. Danny Rick's the reason all of this happened in the first place. He was in Red Bull. He left because he felt like he wasn't being treated well enough when Max came along. You know, So this is all him. The Red Bull training programme didn't have anyone to replace him quickly enough. They went through two drivers, had to pull in Perez, who wasn't even on the Red Bull team. And then the the Red Bull young drivers have have to go off to Williams in the end and Alpine. So Liam is unfortunately missing out on seats because they had to go outside of the teams in the first place. I hope he gets the Williams seat. That's what I hope. There's one yep. seat left on the on the grid, and I fingers crossed he's going to be racing in the next race because Danny Rick's still not right yet.
0: Okay, thank you very much, Arwa. Uh, you stay safe in my absence, and uh, and well as well, and we we'll catch care, up Take care,
8: Smithy. Travel safe. We'll be missing your face. Ciao. Ciao. With the
0: Thank very you. latest in
6: rural news, this is Ag Insights on Mornings with Ian Smith. Profit from the best advice with Collier's Rural and Agribusiness. Licence
3: REAA 2008.
0: Thank you very much uh, for all the uh, well-wishing texts, et cetera, that have come in this morning. It's been great relating with you all. haven't got a chance to read them all out, but uh, certainly, Jared, um, I will be eating plenty of the curry because I love it, absolutely love curry, Jared. So um, that is uh, definitely on the menu. Steph, good morning to you on this uh, Tuesday morning. What have you got lined up today, mate? Oh,
7: good show lined up, Smithy. Matt Burke former Wallaby. Uh, Yes, (laughs) getting his insight into it, and of course former Wallaby, but also in the media, so he would have been in an awkward situation yesterday at work, I would imagine, so we'll chat to him after our Rugby World Cup headline hour, the first hour where we've got some griefs from uh, Warren Gatlin, Gregor Townsend, Ben Tamifuna and others, and Jodie Brown will dissect that Silver Ferns, I think she's probably the one who's of the commentators we get on, the most, uh, not critical, but the most real, I think. So very interested to get her take on that performance against the second string English side, Smithy. So that's what we got for the next three hours. So before I let you wrap up, I couldn't be happier when I heard that you will be gracing our screens um, for the World Cup of Cricket. They've got the best commentator over there. I'm, I'm, I don't know how they twisted your arm enough Smithy, to get you over there, the promise of curry and garlic naan and and a little bit of a brown paper bag maybe, Smithy. But I'm absolutely delighted they've got you involved.
0: Yes, I'd use the, the brown paper bag for the takeaways. Yeah, you're right there. <laughs> uh, Stephanie, no, thanks for that. Uh, looking forward to a, re, a great reunion with um, a lot of the old commentators and the, the guys. Um, it's a bit frightening to realise that I'll be the oldest commentator there. which is Wisest, a bit daunting. wisest. Sage, Sage um, Not sure about that I'll be with Dooley though Katie Martin representing New Zealand So we'll have a good old crack at it If the Black Caps play well Looking forward to it Hey Louis, uh, fantastic mate Stay safe, pump well while I'm away Robbie, thanks very much for um, your input today In particular and ROH as well See you soon folks Enjoy McCarty and Herman Watt